If you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn with me to Matthew 28, 16 through 20, where it says, Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for this time and for this space that we get to come together whether in person or online, to gather in your holy name and study freely your holy word. I ask that every word from my mouth be pleasing and honoring to you. Let your words only fall on open ears, Lord. To you be the glory and honor forever and ever. We love you. Amen. For those of you who may not know me, my name is Anna Campbell. I am the youth minister here at Weddington, and I've been here for a little over two years now. A little bit about me. I am married to my husband, Jordan. We met at our church in Wilmington where we went to college. We've been married for almost a year now. I'm a dog mom to our dog, Bella. I was born and raised in Monroe, North Carolina, just down the street. My parents are Davy and Dale Ann Plowler, and they are phenomenal Christian leaders, and I'm so thankful for them. I have a sister, Gracie, who's my best friend. She's a wonderful daughter of the King. She is also about to get married to her fiance, Evan, and he's so great, and we love him so much. And my dad is ecstatic to have sons. He's pumped. I'm also the granddaughter of a Methodist minister and district superintendent, Larry Wilkinson. My family has been truly blessed in abundance by our Father. I can look at almost every single immediate family member and see the Holy Spirit working in and through them. I always knew Jesus as friend and as Lord. I always asked the hard questions and understood hard concepts. And above all, I always hungered for God's Word. God's Word was spoken over me for as long as I can remember. I had seasons where I would try to run away, but God always called me back. I was a teacher from birth. Ask my sister Gracie as I desperately tried to get her to be my student daily. In fact, one year for Christmas, I got a teacher kit, this huge box under the tree, and in it had a chalkboard and rosters and dry erase name tags and stickers and all these other little teachery things. I was so excited. I knew I was going to have a classroom of my own, my living room, and a student, my sister, of course. Well, needless to say, this ended quickly and poorly with my sister Gracie having no attendance and none of her assignments were turned in on time or at all. When I was 15 years old, I got plugged into youth ministry at my home church. We had a new youth minister who, I'm not kidding, pulled into my driveway one day with my friend Hunter in the church van 
and said, hey, I've already talked to your parents, pack a bag and get in. And of course, at first, I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. So I called my parents and they said, yes, honey, we have talked to him, get in the car, you're going to love it. So I said, okay, whatever, I have nothing to do this weekend, I might as well go. Well, that day changed my life forever. I went into the church van and he drove us to a church leadership group. From that moment on, I was not simply a believer in Jesus, but a student. I was poured into and taught by youth ministers, parents of friends, pastors of various congregations, teachers who saw the Spirit in me, friends who were more mature in their faith, and many others. I was discipled, and it changed me forever. I had people of God choosing to intentionally pour into me and my life. The summer of my sophomore year of high school, I knew that I was called to do youth ministry. I look back on my life and I see not only did the Lord call me here himself, but he used so many people to minister to me and to pour into my life and into my relationship with Christ. My parents, my youth minister, youth volunteers, confirmation leaders, camp counselors, coaches, teachers, professors, friends, pastors, so many more. I was discipled in each season of my life following that moment. The Lord then prepared my heart to do the discipling myself. In reality, we as believers got to where we are today because somewhere along the way, God used someone in your life to pour into you intentionally and disciple you, teaching you the ways of Jesus and his love for us. Whether that be a coach who led devotionals and prayers before t-ball practice in elementary school, a friend whose parents volunteered to lead your life group at youth, or a coworker who asks you to step into a Bible study with them before work or a parent who instilled foundational truths that you still rely on today, such as mine. We in every season of our lives have relied on individuals to walk beside us and teach us and remind us and encourage us of the ways of Christ and the truth of his word. This is discipleship. Followers of Jesus making followers of Jesus. The word disciple means student, and discipleship is the process of a student or follower of Jesus making students and followers of Jesus. It's both being a student and making students, being a follower and making followers. I want us to step back into our scripture for today. Many of you have probably heard this before. We call this the Great Commission. Let's step back into Matthew 28, 16 through 20. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. The first disciples of Jesus 
were not superheroes. They weren't trained professors with doctorate degrees. They were fishermen, tax collectors, normal everyday citizens, and some were considered even less than that. And not only were they these things when Jesus met them, they had now become essentially nomads, walking beside Jesus for years. And soon before Jesus spoke these words to them, most of them had fled from the Roman government who had captured and killed Jesus because of the betrayal of one of their trusted friends, originally the 12, now the 11. And now he's talking to them in person because he rose from the dead. They had just witnessed the turning point of the gospel, but they had also witnessed the consequences of sin firsthand. Matthew tells us some doubted, even as they worshipped him. And honestly, I don't blame them. They just went through more than most of us go through in a lifetime. I mean, when's the last time you saw the Savior of the world die and then rise from the dead? Some doubted, but catch this. Jesus knew this, and in the midst of their doubt and their worship, he called them to make disciples in his name. In the midst of their doubts, he called them to make disciples in his name. He never said they were called because they had it all together. He called them because he had it all together. He didn't call them because they had great plans. He called them because he had great plans. Later on, we see in the book of Acts, Jesus says right before he ascends, Acts 1.8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The Holy Spirit fell upon them in an event we celebrate each year called Pentecost, where they were given the power to boldly stand and proclaim and testify of who Jesus was and tell the good news. We see this in Acts 2.14, but Peter, the fisherman, taking his stand with the eleven, raised his voice and declared to them, men of Judea and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give heed to my word. This is the same Peter standing boldly before everyone who had just a few moments before denied Jesus three times right before he was crucified. Fast forward to verse 28. Peter said, Repent, and each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, for the promise is for you and your children, and for all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call to himself. God placed his spirit in the hearts of ordinary people, and the truth of the good news of the gospel spread like wildfire. I mean, the same government who killed Jesus shortly after became a Christian government. 
Not to mention, here we are 2,000 years later in Weddington, North Carolina, talking about the same good news. The only good news that can save. John 3.16, that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, and whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. The Spirit no longer lives in a temple made by men, but in people who profess with their mouths and believe in their hearts that Jesus Christ is Lord. Our debt is paid. We have the Spirit of the living God available in our hearts, and the power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in us, And not only that, but we here in Weddington have unlimited access to God's holy and powerful word in the palm of our hands that we can learn from and grow from and teach from. What great news. Here's the dilemma. Many of us have heard this good news and we believe this good news, but we're sitting on it. We are sitting on it. Timothy Keller, Christian professor, theologian, and author says, discipleship is not an option. Jesus says that if anyone would come after me, he must follow me. Church, we live in a world and in a community where many people don't know the real Jesus, the real Jesus, the Jesus of the Bible. We live in a world and in a community where many don't know the good news of the gospel. We live in a world and in a community that is in desperate need of God's mercy, the good news of Jesus, and the powerful, transforming teaching of the Holy Word of God. And this call to be disciples and to make disciples does not just lie with those who work in a church building on a daily basis. It lies with you. Here in our church, we have baptisms, confirmations, and people who join the church. And we as a church are asked this question. Will you nurture one another in the Christian faith and life and include these persons now before you in your care? And we say, we will. But do we? Will you nurture one another in the Christian faith and life and include these persons now before you in your care? Today, I invite you to examine where you are in your walk with Christ. Do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God who died to atone for your sins and rose from the dead? so that we may rise with him as a new creation, sons and daughters of the King. The Bible says that if this is true, the Holy Spirit that rose Jesus from the dead dwells in you. And if you have made this step, do you consider yourself a disciple of Christ, a student? Where are you being discipled? Where are you in your daily life and schedules taking the time to learn about God's holy word. Where are you being discipled? And where are you making disciples? To follow Jesus, to obey Jesus, we must make this step. To make disciples, to make students, to invite people into the kingdom. It's our calling. It's my calling 
It is your calling. Now, I'm not talking about evangelism alone. And while this is important, telling and sharing the good news of the gospel to our community, discipleship takes the next step. Where are you intentionally pouring into the life of someone else on behalf of the kingdom, teaching them of God's word and the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus? As a youth minister, I have several things said to me every time I say my job. And one of those things is a huge expression of concern for the rapid speed and intense volume of things of the world being thrown at the next generation. You are fearful, and I get it. My response is almost always, they were made for such a time as this. And I believe that to be true with my whole heart. But church, adult of the church, you were also made for such a time as this. Them, me, you, we were all made to be on this earth, in this community, right now. And what are we doing to make the most of it? Are we stepping into our calling to be disciples, students and followers of Jesus? Are we stepping into our calling to be disciples who make disciples? Or are we sitting on a powerful spirit and word, wasting the opportunity to allow God to use us as a vessel to advance his kingdom here on earth and in Weddington. If you are someone who has never proclaimed Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of your life, but you have been feeling a tug on your heart to do so, this is the Holy Spirit. I beg you to take that step. Allow him to drastically and wonderfully change your life and see what wonderful things he has done and will do. I invite you to talk to someone, a friend, someone here at the church, pastors and ministers. We want to walk beside you as brothers and sisters of Christ. If you do believe in Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord of your life, but you have never taken the step of being discipled or being a student yourself, being taught God's holy word on a daily basis, and you feel the nudge of the Spirit, to take that next step, we have endless amounts of classes, life groups, Bible studies listed on our website and our app, and I encourage you to take a look at them. If you are being discipled and intentionally being poured into, but you aren't pouring out yet, you aren't making disciples yet, and maybe you don't know where to start, I invite you to take a look at the many ministries here at Weddington. We have so many opportunities to pour into the lives of the next generation, from babies in the nursery to high schoolers with big questions. We have opportunities to pour into the lives of your generation. I invite you to reach out to Carolyn Nelson, our children's minister, me, our youth minister, or Patsy Sorrell, our adult discipleship minister. We have endless opportunities for you to be a part of building God's kingdom here. 
We as a church often call ourselves a discipleship academy and make the promise to be a part. Where will you take your next steps of obedience to make disciples? Go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them of everything Jesus has commanded you, and he is with you to the very end of the age. Let us pray. Lord, I thank you for the sacrifice of our salvation, for the good news, and for your holy word that we have unlimited access to daily. I pray that we never take it for granted. God, give us the courage through the power of your Holy Spirit to step into a deeper walk with you a walk of discipleship. Guide us to be students and followers of Jesus who make students and followers of Jesus. To you alone be the glory and honor forever and ever. We love you. Amen.